You're listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast, episode 16, Common Food Preservation Methods. In this episode, we are going to be talking all about the different kinds of food preservation methods that you can do yourself in your very own kitchen. We do a couple different food preservation methods here in my home, and uh, we do it as a way to preserve our harvest that we've worked so hard for in our garden. We also do it as a way to build our food supply. Uh, So we make sure that our family has plenty of uh, quality food throughout the entire year. And we also do it so that we can really take advantage of the high quality and uh, low cost that we find for in-season fruits and vegetables. And and we find them at the farmer's market or the grocery store. Even if you are hesitant about starting food preservation, this episode will help you kind of sort out what the common methods are and how you can make them work for your family. So let's get started. You're listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. My name is Stephanie and I'm a wife, mother of three, and the creator of the blog Winging It on the Homestead, where I help modern mothers incorporate simple living and self-sufficiency skills and knowledge into their busy lives. My goal is to help you refocus your life towards what really matters, your family, as well as boost your confidence so you can start being more self-reliant and decrease your dependence on stores and commercial products. Join me as I share with you my appreciation for creating a homemade and homegrown life through gardening, food preservation, cooking from scratch, making your own products, all while keeping it all practical, intentional, and realistic. Hi guys, in this episode I'm going to be talking about food preservation. Right now, if you're listening to this episode when it launches, we are at the end of July, which is pretty much peak food preservation season, at least where I'm located. Uh, That means our our, uh, harvest is coming in strong and hard, and uh, it really is a constant uh, process to harvest our our stuff from the garden and preserve it. Not only that, but even if there are fruits or vegetables I'm not growing, there are tons of things in season that I love to see. I love to purchase in bulk and find a way to preserve them for later in the season. So that is what I'm gonna be talking about today. So I'm really just gonna be talking about some of the methods that I do, uh, some of the methods that works for our family, what we love to have on hand, what we love to preserve each year, some new things I'm trying. It's gonna be kind of a laid back episode, but it should be um, full of uh, information. First of all, there are uh, about four main food preservation uh, methods. And I know that people, if you've never preserved food, it can be kind of intimidating. You're worried maybe you'll make your family sick. Uh, there's a lot of things I think that built that uh, creates hesitation for people when it comes to food preservation. But once you really look at the food preservation methods and you understand how they work, you understand how to do it safely, it really is a wonderful way to boost and secure your food supply for your family. If you're watching this of the week that it launches, which will be the week of July 25th, then you have the opportunity to sign up for the Build Your Food Supply Masterclass that I am putting on. I have a couple dates available. Go to my blog, Winging It on the Homestead, and you can sign up to uh, join us for that masterclass. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's teach you how to preserve in-season food so you can feed your family all year long. We're going to be talking about a lot of different methods uh, and really get you excited and motivated to preserve your own food because you do not need to have a garden to preserve your own food. There's a lot of different ways that we can 
um, take advantage of in-season food so that we can enjoy them at peak freshness, but also when they're the cheapest and when you can find them the easiest and you can take advantage of that and preserve them in many, many different ways, way beyond just canning and preserve them so that you can have them available all year long. So going back a little bit, there are four main food preservation methods and then some other ones that I cover a little bit, but we're looking at freezing, fermenting, canning, and dehydrating. Yeah, a lot of people say, oh yeah, canning. I know how that works. Or maybe they don't know how it works, but it they understand that it's a way to make your food shelf stable. So it doesn't need refrigeration. You're depending on with whether you're doing a water bath canning or pressure canning, you're processing it in a way that it, it removes any kind of harmful bacteria so that you're able to put them on a shelf and store it that way. There's also freezing, which is your typical putting things in the freezer, which I use so much. I use, uh, you know, we use a flash freeze method, which is where you do like a cookie sheet and you put your fruits or vegetables or whatever you're freezing on that. So it, it literally freezes, um, the berries or the pieces of meat or the diced peppers or onions, the pieces individually so that you can use them much more effectively. So you can use them much more effectively. Um, freezing, I use a lot, but with freezing, you do have to be mindful of your storage, right? So it's not going on the shelf. You have, you only have so much room in your freezer or your deep freezer to put things. So that's one thing that is really important when you're first starting to get into food preservation is you want to look at the equipment that you already have. How big's your freezer? What can you store in your freezer? You know, and what would make better sense uh, storing in cold storage or if you don't have a cellar or root cellar, what you can store longer term in the fridge and then also shelf stable for your pantry. So that kind of is an important thing to understand. So like I said, we have two freezers, two fridges with the freezer and then a deep freezer. So we do have a lot of freezer room. Let's say for example, when strawberries are on sale. Now we do have our own strawberry patch, but it's smaller right now. So I'm continuing to grow that. But when we did get a pretty good harvest this past year, but I wanted to do a lot more than just several jars of jellies or jams. So I keep an eye open on strawberry prices and I pick them up when they're, you know, relatively cheap and I will freeze that. I also freeze strawberries when they're like, you know, when you pull them out of the fridge and they're kind of past their prime, but so they're still good, but you don't necessarily want to eat them straight up. So I throw them in the freezer and then I use them for smoothies or I'll use them to make uh, jelly or jam later. So that's one thing I love to do. I also do that with tomatoes as my um, harvest comes in, you know, it, my tomato harvest typically comes in like in a drip fashion where I'll get three today, two tomorrow, one the next day, and so on. So it's really hard to collect it enough in order to do uh, a big batch of something. So what I like to do is I like to freeze them. I cut off the tops. I, I kind of core them, take out as many seeds as possible, Real kind, I just kind of rough it, and I throw it into a bag. Uh, and then once I have a bag full of enough of tomatoes to process, then that's when I'll make sauce or diced tomatoes or whatever it is that I am going to water bath can. 
Um, so freezing is a really great method. I also love to do green peppers. Uh, green peppers isn't something we typically love to eat raw, but we love to use them when I'm making omelets or cooking, things like that. So I will dice them and flash, flash freeze them as well as dice onions, and then I'll freeze them, and then I'll just kind of take out a couple tablespoons or whatever when I'm making breakfast, and I'll use that for an omelet. And that's really easy because uh, with peppers, you know, it loses that crunchiness, but if you're sauteing them anyways, it doesn't really matter. So when you're cooking them, it doesn't really matter. So they're great for cooking. So that really saves me a lot of time in the morning because I don't have to do all the dicing. And then because in the summertime when I'm having peppers, I usually have a lot of green peppers that we don't always use. That's how I will freeze them for the rest of the year. So I love to do that as well. Um, there's tons of things you can freeze. I mean, just look down the aisles at the grocery store in order to have an idea of what can actually be frozen. I mean, cheese can be frozen. If you uh, shred it first, you know, then it's great for cooking, all those kinds of things. So freezing is probably one of the easiest methods to get started when you really want to boost your food supply. So I also love to do fermentation. So fermentation is basically when you're uh, providing an environment, which is where beneficial micro microorganisms convert sugars or starches in your foods to organic acids or alcohol. That's very scientific. Um, but basically it makes your food more uh, nutritious and lasts longer. It's a really easy process. So this isn't always put meaning that you can do it shelf stable. Like you're not going to put it on the shelf, but it will store in your fridge for a very long period of time. And I love this method as well um, because this is the method like if you're doing lactic acid fermentation, that's because you're doing it with foods that have lactic acid. That is your sauerkraut, your pickles, your kimchi, your yogurt, your sourdough breads. Those are all fermenting um, process. You know, if you're doing an ethanol fermentation alcohol, that's how you actually produce wine or beer. And an acetic acid fermentation, that's how you actually make your vinegars and your kombuchas. So putting all the science aside, um, you really don't need so much to do fermentation. Like you need some mason jars, lids, or you see crocs. You typically need vinegar, salt, water, and your vegetables. Um, you can pretty much pickle or ferment any vegetable. Uh, and then wait. So this does not have to be something that you buy at the store that is specific for fermentation weights. You can use a cabbage leaf if you're doing sauerkraut you can use a larger cabbage leaf use that as a weight you can use um something that's glass stainless steel um or you can even use something like plastic um food grade plastic i like to use like little tops from either like a pringles container or like baby snack those kinds of things containers i'll cut those to fit using those as a weight because you want to make sure that when you put them in, you're weighing the food down. So everything is submerged in your brine. Um, basically any vegetable can be fermented. Uh, it's a really great way to provide nutrition all year round. Um, and it really just requires vegetables, water, and salt. Now, I love to do so that you can do quick pickles, you cucumbers. So instead of doing um, like pickles that are shelf stable where you actually make the pickle and then you make put it through your processing, um, your canning processing so you can actually make it stable on the shelf. 
what you're doing is you're not doing this shelf stable canning, but you can keep it in your fridge for much longer. That way your the crispiness is there. You're not getting it soggy, which the canning process can do. Um, but I love to do it also with carrots. Carrots are really good. Peppers, you know, pickled peppers. I love to make um, fermented lemons, which sounds really crazy, but that's where you really pack lemons full of salt and you store them in uh, like a salt brine and they get so um, like they kind of break down but they're just so tangy and you can actually eat the entire lemon rind and all and they're just delicious things like asparagus or green beans so you can make dilly green dilly beans or dilly asparagus and um, cabbage of course you can make sauerkraut now I don't process sauerkraut um, I'll make sauerkraut and then I will keep it in the fridge because cabbage is something that you can grow all year round pretty much if you have the right cold conditions because it's a cold um, vegetable. So you can actually grow cabbage into the fall and maybe in a cold frame in the winter. So you can have a pretty steady supply of cabbage. So there's really no reason to have to, um, at least for me in my location, where you have to process it and can it. So that's, it's on the shelf because what the canning is going to do, it's actually going to cook it. And when you can something that you're fermenting, you're kind of killing those microorganisms those, that is actually nutritious to begin with. So it kind of defeats the purpose. So these would be things that you're going to be keeping for a couple months in the fridge, maybe. Um, and these are things that, you know, like back in the day, uh, they'd make it in a big crock. They would make sauerkraut cucumbers, pickles, and a big crock, and they would keep it in cold storage. So it would last a very long time. So fermenting is something that you also can pick up. It's kind of like, I, I think I think the, the easiest two things to do are freezing and dehydrating. I'll talk about dehydrating in a minute. But then your next step would be like fermenting. It doesn't require a canning system. It doesn't require you to do anything like that necessarily. So if you're, if you're comfortable with freezing and dehydrating, then fermenting might be your next step. So let me backtrack a little bit and talk about dehydrating. So dehydrating is the same thing as drying. So this is where you're removing water from the food uh, by hanging it to dry or using a dehydrator. You can even use your oven. Um, and by removing that water, it eliminates you know, the possibility of molding or having bacteria because the water, the moisture is what causes it to mold. So you can do this with fruits and vegetables, with herbs and flowers. Okay, so it's pretty easy and unexpected expensive and in fact um, for several years I did it without any special I did a variety of stuff without any special equipment uh, like you could just hang your food to dry like your your herbs and there's something like so pretty and just aesthetically pleasing about a bunch of herbs drying it's very simple and wholesome I don't know I just love having herbs hanging to dry they just like just so visually appealing to me um, but it does take a very long time. So if you go out to the garden and you cut a bunch of basil, that basil is going to take several weeks, if not a couple months, to dry fully for you to be able to store it safely on the shelf. So what you could do is you could use your dehydrator or you can use an oven at very low temperatures. you got to keep your oven on for several hours. So that might not be cost effective, might not be energy efficient, and you may need your oven for other things. So a dehydrator is a really great investment if this is something that you are looking to do. 
I have one that I was blessed to have been given by a family member. Um, they weren't using it. So um, it's been a lot, you know, that's been a lot of fun. But like I said, I got away with doing tons of things, just using my oven or hanging things to dry for for several years. So for, for just hanging dried herbs, you could just like dry them in a, make sure you get a clean room where there's enough air circulation and you just want to hang them. You just kind of bundle them up, maybe tie them with some thread and hang them from the ceiling somewhere where they can hang and have good air circulation. And fruits and vegetables though would definitely benefit from a dehydrator because they do contain so much moisture um, that hanging them would take too long and you can actually get moldy um, very easily by drying, by drying them that way. So uh, if you can afford a dehydrator, I would definitely recommend it. And once the food is dry and there's no more moisture, then that's when you would crumble up the herbs and put them in your, your mason jars to be, um, you know, for your spice cabinet. So dehydrating drying is definitely a very easy method for beginners if you guys are not sure where to start. So like I said, freezing, drying and dehydrating, and then fermenting. Um, they are definitely so easy to get started with. Now I think canning is the one that maybe intimidates people the most, maybe because it requires the most safety guidelines or, or you know, um, awareness in, in order to follow good practice um, to prevent harmful bacteria being in your canning and your foods. But it's very rare to get botulism. Impossible, but they, it you can certainly um, be safe and be avoid making your whole family sick. So basically canning works is that you would prepare your food, um, whether you're chopping your vegetables or you're blanching your vegetables, blanching being boiling them. For example, I did a, a half bushel of green beans over the weekend and we blanched them first before we canned them. And that means that you're cleaning them and you're cutting them and then you're boiling them for like five minutes and then you're packing them into your cans. That's called blanching because you're kind of stopping all the enzymes from continuing to ripen. So that allows you to keep the nice um, fresh green colors in your green beans or your peas. And then you're placing that into your jar and you're processing. You take those jars, you put your lids and your rings on them and you put them into your canner and you process them so that they become shelf stable. And there's two different kinds of canning methods. Typical safe canning methods are water bath or pressure canning process of cooking and canning will kill any bacteria and it creates a vacuum seal to prevent any further contaminants from entering the jar. So that's how you make it shelf stable. And you either need a water bath or a pressure canner or both because water bath definitely is easier, but you can't can all kinds of foods in a water bath. But you want to do low acidic foods in a pressure canner. So that would be things like green beans, we pressure can those, meats or broths, squashes, those kinds of things. So basically, the very basic idea of water bath canning is that you're putting your cans in boiling water for a certain amount of time, dependent on the size of your can your jars and the type of food. And once they're removed, once that time is up and you remove them from the canner, um, that's when it, they vacuum seal. Now, pressure canning is pretty much the same idea, but it's a little bit more advanced because it requires a heavier duty 
equipment, like with the water bath canning, you can literally use a large stock pot. But with pressure canning, you need a canner. It requires dealing with pressure settings and altitude settings. So broths, meats, pumpkins, etc. You would most certainly need to pressure can those. And that's because they're low acidic. They need to get under a certain pressure in order to ensure that those um, botulism spores are actually killed. So you don't want to do uh, pressure canning. You want to do like potatoes, carrots, green beans, your meats, your beans, um, broth, those kinds of things. So there are safety methods and guidelines to follow, but it is most certainly doable and uh, something that is really so satisfying. I mean, we, like we said, we did a half bushel of green beans, which ended up giving us 16, well, we ate some for dinner, but we ended up getting 16 pints of canned green beans. And that's probably six months worth of green beans for us, um, something around there. So... I might try and do another batch of green beans. And then in addition to those four main, there are actually some other preservation methods that are really cool. So let's say you have herbs that you want to use, making them into butter. Um, so using your herbs, instead of just drying them or, you know, things like that, you're actually mixing them into a butter and freezing the butter. And then you have an awesome herbed butter that you can use. Um, I also... For herbs, I've also froze herbs or um, infused them in olive oil and put them in the fridge or freezer and then you took them out as you, as needed. Making salt, so herb salts, um, is another great way to preserve some of those things. Uh, vinegars. I've made um, vinegars with some of our wine berries that we have in the season. Wine berries are really hard to preserve in other ways because they just kind of disintegrate fall apart if they're once they get off the vine so if you're familiar with wine berries you know exactly what I'm talking about but they're really best eaten fresh but I like to make vinegars and what you end up getting once you make that is more of a raspberry vinaigrette but a wine berry flavor it's really really cool infused oils is where you're taking um, a bunch of herbs or flowers and you're putting them into oil and you're uh, infusing them and then you can use them later into making lotions or salves or things like that. And then another one is extracts and that's where you're taking the food you want to preserve and letting it soak in alcohol and you end up extracting all the good things in, in the alcohol. So I like to do that with mint. When I have an abundance of mint, I'll make a mint extract. That's really great for liqueurs or for um, cooking. So there's tons of things you can do way beyond just canning. All right. So I hope that was kind of just a really easy background on all the food preservation methods. Buy in bulk, eat fresh, and preserve the excess. And you will be able to truly build your family's food supply. I will see you in the next episode. If you are interested in learning more about food preservation, please come and join me for my free masterclass, the Build Your Food Supply Masterclass. We are going to be talking about everything you need to know to get started with food preservation, the different methods, how to get started, and some strategy on how to make it actually work for you. Because we're all busy and adding food preservation to our busy lives might seem a little daunting, but it is certainly possible and a lot of fun. So join me, go to my website, Winging It On The Homestead, where I have links to sign up for free.